Welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about marriage, family, and making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovich, editor of RealSimple.com. Sexting made news earlier this month when a new study presented at the American Psychological Association's annual convention found that 88% of adult respondents reported sexting in their lifetime, and 82% had sexted in the past year. While sexting is often characterized as risky, this new study from Drexel University actually found a correlation between greater levels of sexting and greater sexual satisfaction, especially for those in a relationship. Joining me today to talk about the study, the pros and cons of sexting, and how it can fit into a healthy relationship are Dr. Tammy Nelson, a New Haven-based sex and relationship expert, psychotherapist, and author of several books, including Getting the Sex You Want. Hi, Tammy. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Michelle Druin is a developmental psychologist and associate professor at Indiana Purdue Fort Wayne, who specializes in the impact of technology on relationships. Hi. How are you? And Alexia LaFeta is a staff writer at Elite Daily who wrote an article about the many benefits of sexting. Thanks to all of you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really am really excited to be here. So, Tammy, when you read about this new study about texting, I'm curious to know if the numbers of sexters surprised you. Um, you know, I think with more and more young people online, on their phone, and on their handheld devices, it makes a lot of sense because as our relationships become more digital, it makes perfect sense that our sex lives and our emotional lives and our intimacy and our connection will become more digital as well. You know, I treat people that recover from affairs and also that are trying to improve their sex life, so sort of both sides, the neglect and the and the trauma in a relationship. And both sides are affected by our phones and our internet connections. So I'm not surprised that we, you know, we use our handheld phones, our handheld devices both to disconnect and probably to connect as well. I, I kind of find that a positive thing. In your, in your practice, Tammy, how, can you talk a little bit about how this, the phones and sexting in particular are used towards a positive end in relationships? Well, you know, ironically, and I'll say it in a negative way first, this is the first time in history that you can cheat on your partner lying in bed next to them, right? So you can, we've, yes. There's no precedent for this. So I think it started in a negative way, and now we are beginning to spin it in a more positive way. You know, you can, you can text your loved one from upstairs when they're downstairs and say, okay, baby, what are you wearing? And suddenly your phone and your text become something that um, creates this erotic tension in your relationship. Instead of splitting you apart, now it becomes something that connects you. So, Michelle, Tammy makes a really good point that there is a way that we can use technology for positive, you know, in a positive way in our relationships. But I know that you've conducted research that's found something really different than what this latest study that we're discussing found. And that is that sexting in some cases and in many cases with young people cannot be benign at all. It can actually lead to some really destructive interpersonal behavior. That's right. It's great that I'm following after Tammy. We're going to give a nice dichotomous view on technology and relationships. I think on the broader scale, I'm more on the side of technoference 
good friend and colleague, uh, Brandon McDaniel, just published a study on the ways in which technology is actually interfering with relationships, the jealousy it could create, the gaps, the barriers that it's creating in not only couples, but I think families as well. I think that the positives with regard to technology and relationships There are potentials there. There could be a way in which technology is used to strengthen a relationship. But in my research, sexting has been associated with insecure attachment patterns. So people who are more, especially women, who are more anxious in their attachments with their partners, so they fear that their partners might leave them, are more likely to send these sex messages, perhaps as a hyper-activating strategy in order to keep them. And then men, typically, but women as well, who are more avoidant, meaning that they want to keep people at a distance, the distance tend to use sexting as well more often. And recently, uh, a paper that's just been accepted, but it hasn't actually been published yet, Brandon McDaniel, the one who had done the technoference study, and I looked into sexting among married couples, and actually it's not that very common. Married people really are not sexting each other very much. And one thing that this study does not separate out is sexual pictures from sexual words. So just to be clear, in this study, they sort of lump it all together. So they're talking about text, but they're also talking about people who have sent explicit photographs to other people via cell phone. Exactly. And these are possibly two different issues. So my research has really looked at the negatives of sending pictures, particularly when people are doing it just to satisfy a partner or because their partners have repeatedly asked. And in those cases, when people are engaging in what we've termed unwanted but consensual sexting, it's actually also related to intimate partner violence. So you have a lot of negative associations with sexting. I am not convinced that sexting is a wonderful way to go in terms of increasing intimacy in a marriage. And the scenario about, you know, a wife being upstairs and a partner being downstairs, I mean, they should be together anyway. (laughs) So, um, So, you know, yes, go ahead, Lori. No, no, I just wanted to say that I think that, and Tammy, tell tell me if I'm wrong here, I think you're saying that given that, what you were saying was that given that technology is absolutely a fact of all of our lives, we might as well try to use it in a way that is positive when we are in a relationship. And so while I agree, um, Michelle, that it would be always be nicer to sort of do the face-to-face communication, we also have to be realistic that a lot of us just don't do that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I have to sort of laugh a little bit. I love the research and I love everything that that Michelle was saying, and I, I had to laugh a little when she said, you know, it'd be great if we were all sitting in the same room, and I was giggling, and I wrote down, you know, that's ideal, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think about how often my husband and I are in separate rooms, because we're all busy, you know, we all have this accelerated life now, where we are in separate places, and we are doing separate things, and for people who have this idealized vision of a long-term marriage and a long-term committed partnership, the reality is technology is part of our lives. It's not going anywhere. And young people who grow up with a cell phone in their hands are not going to put it down. So instead of 
this sort of <laughs> fantasy of like put your phone down and be together. How do you integrate it in a positive way? And which is and, the perfect lead-in actually to Alexia, who I believe is younger than everyone else on this call, and also <laughs> represents that generation that did grow up with a phone in their hand, if not in their hand, close by. Yes. And I would love to ask you about how you're seeing your peers. Are you comfortable telling us how old you are? Yeah, I'm 21. I'll be 22 in a month. Okay. So So, (laughs) you wrote an article that sort of very, very clearly laid out the reasons why you think everyone should be texting. Now, when you said everyone, did you mean married couples too? Sure. Yeah. I think in any kind of relationship, honestly. So talk a little bit about what your reasons are for why everyone should be sexting. Sure. Um, the good thing about sexting and like technology, like, you know, Snapchat and all those different apps that allow you to sex and send those raunchy photos is that it just kind of keeps it interesting to me. That's, that's kind of like the vibe that my friends and I get when we use these kinds of technologies to express our feelings and keep the sexual chemistry going in a relationship. Like even in college, for example, when we're just in class, you're always busy. You're doing extracurriculars, you're doing homework, you're doing this, you're doing that. And, you know, you want to find a way to keep your relationship interesting. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to rely on sexting. So, like, a lot of my reasons have to do with, you know, it being, like, a distraction from maybe, like, if you're bored in class or if you're bored at work and you, like, you kind of want to, you know, get cozy with your partner, but you really can't do it in that moment. You can just, like, text them and they can chat you up a little bit. I have to interrupt there. And this may be a sign of my age, but I and probably <laughs> Michelle, you would agree with me, maybe Tammy as well, that you probably shouldn't be sexting when you're at work. I, Alexia, had I been 21, I feel like I probably would have had that same perspective and I really appreciate it. I, I'm a very liberal person. Sexuality mm-hmm. is something that I love and adore. This is why I study it. I think there are risks with sending pictures. And what we're finding in my research is that a lot of people have regrets about sending pictures. Um, And not only regrets that I sent it to this partner, I think there are statistics now that one third or one one quarter of pictures are either shared or shown to someone else. So you don't ever have the assurance 100%, even if you're texting or sexting with a committed partner, that what you send is not shared or forwarded. What about like just text though? I mean, like, I forget the pictures because I've never actually sent a photo while at work or in class because I think that can be a little bit risky. But if I'm just sending like a a text, literally just words, like what do you think? Yeah, the words, I feel very differently about the words. The words Mm -hmm. create a fantasy. I'm I'm doing a study now. One of the things I'm concerned about is that it's setting up false expectations. So let's say you're te- sexting with a partner that you've never had sex with. Are you giving them implied consent that you will have sex because now you're sexting these words? And not only that, I'm kind of of the philosophy of I would rather someone discover for themselves these things. I wouldn't want to ruin <laughs> you know, this fantasy that I'm creating. But are you setting up false expectations with these text messages? But more than that, I just want to really emphasize, I think, what is my main point about sexting, which is 
it alone, even if it's not associated with any type of negative relationship consequences, and it's really not happening much, even this study showed it's more happening in young relationships, like the relationships that Alexia is probably and your friends are having, you know, younger relationships, it's not really happening much with older, established, committed couples. They're not sending these pictures. They're really not sending. They're sending texts that say, you know, can you pick up some milk on your way home? So <laughs> oh, don't that. make us sound that boring, Michelle. <laughs> I, I know. I think it's, that I'm sorry. it's not that bad. But my my ultimate view on it is that it is a risky behavior. You don't know what your future is going to bring. Putting a picture out into cyberspace I would for agree. it to be hacked for it, it exists forever. It's part of your digital footprint forever. But Michelle, I do need to back up and say that it's. I want to make clear that the study that we're discussing that this episode is based on from Drexel University. They did interview adults as old as 82 years old. Mm -hmm. And there were the correlation that they found was that people in relationships, and I know that doesn't necessarily mean marriage or committed long-term relationships, people in relationships who did sext had and reported more sexual, had a more sexually satisfying life. So how do you reconcile that? I will tell you that there's also in this study, those who describe their relationship, I'm reading directly from their abstract, those who describe their relationship as being very committed, sexting was unrelated to satisfaction. Very committed, but the other, but they do say that. Yeah, the relationships that were not as committed, yes, it's relating to sexual satisfaction. But my point is, you might just be a sexually satisfied person. You might be sexually open. You must, you might be more experimental and therefore you're having a more sexually satisfying life. It may not be the sexting that's leading to your sexual satisfaction. Instead, you might just be one of those individuals who's, you know, just leading a really happy sex life. Well, see, I want to, I want to, throw out a different point of view, and that I kind of take exception with the idea that it's setting up false expectations for girls or women to send out texts to men that they're interested in or in early relationships with that are somewhat sexual or even flagrantly sexual, because I think it's a new generation of women that are more empowered about their sexuality and their erotic interests and their desires, and they're finding a voice that they've never had before. Why can't they express their desires, their interests, their fantasies, their thoughts about sex? Why can't they? Setting up false expectations, is this going to set them up to what? To be raped? To, to send out an, you know, an expectation that this is what they actually want? It's a form of flirting and erotic anticipation. Certainly there are problems with sending, you know, uh, really eroticized photos to strangers. We all know the risk of meeting people on Facebook. These young people are not on Facebook anymore. They're on Snapchat, where the, Snapchat where the, the photos are disappearing big. after a second. I, I just want to point out very quickly before I have to leave that note that I did not attach gender to any of my talk when I spoke to Alexia. It was not saying women. It was just you know, speaking to her personally, I I think it's a mistake for both men and women to ever send sexually explicit pictures to any partner. I think that it's, again, becomes part of your digital footprint. I agree with everything you say about expressing sexuality, and I'm not at all opposed to empowering women to be able to say their sexual feelings openly. I think, however, you know, based on the sexual conversations I've seen my friends 
even having with partners. They say a lot of things because of this hyper-personal environment that the Internet creates where you actually open up even more than you would in normal life. They say a lot of things that they actually would not do or not currently doing. I have an entire article on sexual deception, on uh, sexting deception, people, what they're lying about during sexting, what they're doing, what they're wearing. These are not things that they're actually doing or want to do. But I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go. Um, Okay, I hope we can talk to you again, Michelle. Thanks so much. Thanks, Lori. Okay, bye-bye. So, Alexia, I'd like you to take us through, before we wind down, I think some of the points that you make in your article about why sexting is a very positive thing are very compelling, and probably some of what Michelle was saying sounds what to you? How did it sound to you? Did it sound alarmist? Did it sound Yeah, I mean, I just think, like, young people, we have such a different way of viewing technology like we don't view it like this dangerous minefield of like oh my god this stranger is gonna like come stalk me at night and like you know find my address because he has my Facebook like and I know that's not a very safe way to look at the internet but like we're so used to putting a lot of information about ourselves out there but at the same time I do think there is a difference between verbal like actual words and pictures And I think what Michelle was referring to about how people lie when they're texting and they like say they're doing things when they're really not. Yeah. I mean, we've all done that. Like, but as one, as one of my points in my article, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it can make you feel sexy. I mean, like I say, like if you have, you know, you're sitting on your couch and you're not really wearing any makeup and you've got like a gross bun on top of your head and you're in your pajamas and you want to feel a little bit sexy. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to talk to a guy and put yourself in a situation where you might actually feel sexy by saying, like, oh, I'm wearing this. Oh, I'm doing this. Because that is exciting in and of itself, regardless of whether or not you're actually doing it. I think there is still a level of excitement there in the sexing conversation. Alexia, I'm curious if you or any of your peers have had sexting incidents or things that have gone wrong, that there's been sort of a negative situation as a result of texts or photographs? Not really texts, mainly um, pictures have definitely gotten around in middle school. Um, But I think a lot of what happened with that was that there was really no foundation of trust between the people who exchanged the photos. And I think, you know, establishing a foundation of trust is something that's really important for a relationship. And you have to kind of, you kind of have to jump into a relationship and, you know, assume that what you say and the things you do are going to be protected or else how else are you going to actually have a real relationship if you're just like walking on eggshells like if I tell my boyfriend a really deep secret I can't not tell him under the assumption that he's going to tell everybody I have to you know assume that there's a level of trust there so I don't think it's necessarily my fault so per se if I send a sexually explicit message or a photo and he you know puts it out there to the rest of the world it's really unfortunate that that's how sexting is viewed it's the fact that it's not, you know, it's that it's the person who sends its fault when it's really not. It's it definitely, to me, at least a very healthy way to express affection in an era where technology is literally everywhere. Like you cannot talk to a young person without them having been on Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everything. Like it's so second nature to us. So Tammy, for those of us who are not in um, Alexia's demographic, um, 
And if you were counseling people in committed relationships and who are older, maybe married, maybe even have children, what do you advise for those people who are maybe curious or interested in using sexting as a way to create intimacy? You know, the way that I I think couples can integrate it is, you know, we also use technology, and we're using technology right now. The way we set up this podcast was all through technology. You know, we, we have technology at our fingertips at all times. And this is something that we also have set up an expectation about, that you should be available to me at any moment. You know, mm-hmm. the anxiety of, I texted you three times and you didn't answer me, creates this heightened expectation of availability all the time. And it Definitely. also creates some, you know, anxiety and, and conflict between couples. So, you know, how do you, how do you arrange that in a relationship, in a marriage, particularly a long-term marriage? You know, r- relationships go through developmental phases just like we do as we grow. And I think it's wrong to expect in a long-term marriage or a long-term committed partnership that you're always going to expect the same things. And so this can be a new phase of a marriage. Like this is our digital phase. Like we used to be young. We used to have three kids. Then we had young kids. Then we had older kids. Then they left for college. Then they came back from college. You know, like this has to be a new phase where we have an intimate relationship that no one else knows about except you and I, and it's through text. We can be in the same room with our kids in the room or with our friends in the room. We can be at a party across the room from each other, and we have a new form of intimacy that we've never had before. It's like a little secret, too, like between you and the person. If you're at like a party with somebody and you're texting them across the room, it creates that nice like sexual energy. Exactly. And this is something that adults, no offense, but adults grown up like us have never experienced before, a new level of intimacy through, mm-hmm. through this kind of secret, intimate life that can become a really heightened sexual experience and a new phase of perhaps an older relationship. So we talk about that and what that's like. And, and not sending perhaps blatantly erotic photos, but even really sensual photos of a, you know, a part of your leg or, you know, a part of your shoulder with a strap down can be incredibly evocative and can even, you know, fly through the internet at work and just, you know, give a little bit of anticipation. Like, I can't wait till you come home. Here's my shoulder, you know, can Mm, send a jolt of mystery that perhaps has been missing in the relationship for a long time. And so those things are things that we are are just beginning to tap into, perhaps, to set up expectations, not false expectations, but real expectations. And it doesn't matter if they're followed through when we get home. It's a secret and a connection that we, we share that empowers the relationship to maybe go to a different place and a new level and can be very exciting. Tammy Nelson, thank you so much for being here today. Tammy is the author of several books, including Getting the Sex You Want, and Thank you also to Alexia Lafeda, who is a writer for Elite Daily and who wrote an article about the many benefits of sexting, which you can find in our program notes. Thank you so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. If you have a domestic quandary and would like to be a guest on our show, or if there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, please email us at tlolpodcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank our producer, Tim Einenkel. If you enjoyed the episode, please review and subscribe on iTunes, where you'll also find three more podcasts from Real Simple. You can subscribe to The Labor of Love at iTunes.com slash Panoply or at panoply.fm. 